The Spiritual Freedom Show with Richard Lawrence, where politics is not the answer, materialism counts for nothing, and spirituality will set you free. I'm Richard Lawrence, and this is an Ethereus podcast. We're also syndicated on these radio networks on the first and third Saturdays of the month. Body, Mind, Spirit Radio, Transformation Talk Radio, WTRM, the Trim Radio Network, and Oneness Talk Radio. Welcome to the Spiritual Freedom Show. Welcome to another, I think, fascinating uh, show coming up because our guest today is going to be Chrissy Blaze, and she's a very active media guest and actually has been a radio presenter in her own right. She's the co-host of Ethereus Radio Live with me every month on BodyMindSpiritRadio.com. She's an international speaker, and she's the author of 12 books, including Power Prayer and her latest book, Earth, Astrology's Missing Planet. That's a very interesting uh, concept, is it not? Uh, She's been a close follower of Dr. George King for more than 40 years. And today, she's going to be talking about an extract from the first freedom, which is bravery. A bravery is essential in all of things. A form, a while, uh, the aspirant allows the uh, negative accumulation of a fear uh, to a discolor uh, his outlook he cannot ever truly aspire to a freedom a freedom from fear can be brought into active Manifestation within all men, providing they have a knowledge, a knowledge of the right kind, a dispenses a fear whether this fear a manifestation a be a petty or a be a more potent One freedom I seem to vibrate to is the first freedom, bravery. Ever since I was a child, I have admired courageous people. 
and although I tried to be good most of the time, my instinct was often to fight without any fear or concern. It was an instinct which was ingrained in me, but looking back, it was more a case of fools rush in. An example was when some boys were harassing my brother, who was tall, strong, and older than me. I ran into this group of boys shouting at them and would have fought them all, so enraged was I. Somehow my passion made them leave, and my brother, I have to admit, was extremely embarrassed that I had done this. I'm not sure if this instinct was honed from a past life, but I feel it is definitely part of my future. I was hooked on the nine freedoms when I saw that the first freedom was bravery. And it is two sentences I wish to focus on today. The first, bravery is essential in all things, for while the aspirant allows the negative accumulation of fear to discolour his outlook, he cannot ever truly aspire to freedom. When I first read this, I longed for freedom. Although pretty scrappy as a child, it was later that I started to think more about bravery and consciously strive for it. As a result, more tests of courage came my way. Fear comes in so many forms that we don't always recognize it. Fear may be for another person who is very sick or a terrible situation in the world. Fear can be a physical thing. But Mars Sector 6 discusses fear as imprisoning your outlook. So here it is also about one's mental outlook. I have had times when I have fallen back through failing certain tests of courage. But when we recognise our failures, we can pick ourselves up and learn from them. I have respect for certain people who jump at opportunities with seemingly no fear of the outcome. I admit that sometimes I have held back from opportunities. I can't even say why. Was it laziness? I don't think so. But I think fear of the unknown. I think now, looking back, I would class those times when fear has stopped me from taking wonderful opportunities, as Mars Sector 6 has, as strange fears which imprison his actions, his very outlook, which imprison his mind, I even his psychic abilities. At the time, though, I didn't even think of this as fear. So I admit I have grappled with this freedom. It's important to me because I'm always striving to be more of a spiritual warrior. I remember my spiritual master, Dr. George King, told me I should be like a ninja. When I turned the corner up to his apartment to take dictation from him, and just missed bumping into him. He said I should have known he was there. Another great lesson for me. I later practiced a form of martial arts for a couple of years, which helped me to overcome other fears by developing strength and becoming more aware of my environment. Other fears I have faced were my psychic abilities. My fear of seeing too much has often stopped me from seeing at all. As Mars Sector 6 says, fear imprisons even your psychic abilities. Occasionally, I have one of those vivid dreams, which are in fact not dreams, but projected experiences. Most of these, for me, seem to take place in the lower astral realms, and experience there has helped me to face fears more than once.
There was a time when I had to cycle past a line of murderous, evil magicians. They were viciously taunting me and reaching out for me, but I felt very confident and focused on my destination and was pleased later than this instance. I overcame my fear. Another time, I had been trapped in a dark castle on the lower realms, and all I could think of to do was to pray using the twelve blessings. I put my heart and soul into it and managed to escape. So even though I am still definitely working on this freedom, because I know that these tests of bravery keep coming, it does help me to feel I am in a strange way preparing for the future. After all, when we look at the world, we know that spiritual warriors are needed. We only have to look at the life of Dr. George King to understand that these tests will continue and become even more difficult. Even so, I try to go forth into bravery as urged by Mars Sector 6, and when we overcome our fears, it is thrilling because we know we are progressing on this amazing path towards enlightenment. Very interesting words there. And I'm joined by our producer, of course, every week, Darren Ball. How are you, Darren? Very good. Thanks, Richard. Yeah, I agree. Very kind of diverse, far-raging experiences there, I think, that she shared. Yeah, you know, one thing that I would compliment all our listeners, I think it takes bravery to break free from the conditioning, the world conditioning, the materialistic condition. You know, we're not, we, we recognize the importance of, of material things. They have to be dealt with. But materialism is something else. That's a doctrine. And you have to break free of that to take to this path. And that takes some bravery because often you're going against, as we said in another show, the flow. You're not going with the flow. You're going against the flow. And, you know, you have to have bravery to do that. It could be your closest loved ones, your relatives, your close friends who don't agree with you. Sometimes they might think you're really way out of line, but you have to have the bravery to do it. It's all the way from that to a global situation, like a nation. And this is, it would be great, wouldn't it, Darren, if nations understood each other better? I think a lot of mm. wars wouldn't happen if they recognised, well, that particular nation has fear. They're frightened of what we're doing. We know we're not going to bomb them, but they think we might. And if they mm -hmm. understood that and, and, and the knowledge was imparted in the right way, it would dispel fear. Yeah, it's interesting, the, the parallel between our own interpersonal relationships, you know, particularly in our, our family or, you know, with a spouse or something. And, mm -hmm. you know, we can see how fear arises there. And, and um, without the without starting from a place of love, it can quickly, you know, spiral into some sort of argument or a fight or whatever. And as you say, very similar on a on an international level mm -hmm. between nations. And, and particularly at this time, I mean, it's, it's very relevant common, I think, you know, given, you know, what's happening in the, um, in the Ukraine region, etc. as well. In Indeed. Well, now, every week, of course, you bring to the table one of the wonderful comments or questions from our listeners. What have you got today? Yeah, I've got a very heartfelt comment here, a very genuine comment, I feel, as right. well. Uh, just before I get to that, um, if you're tuning in for the first time, you can find out more about the Nine Freedoms, Mars, Sector 6, and Dr. George King by visiting our website. That's ethereus.org, A-E-T-H-E-R-I-U-S.org. And if you'd like to share a comment like the one I'm about to share or experience of your own, we do get one on the show every week. So do get in touch with us at spiritualfreedom at richardlawrence.co.uk. So it goes as follows, Richard. Uh, this person says, I'm 68 years old. I've been a spiritual seeker since age 12. 
and is rather desperately trying to hold on to something in this chaotic and admittedly frightening world. Despite my efforts and desires to advance, I often sense that my spiritual growth has been blocked since my late teens. Recently, I've looked into many areas for some encouragement opportunity, mentally, emotionally, and or spiritually, to rise above the turmoil which is so pervasive on this earth. I've been reading about Dr. King and the Ethereum Society for many months, but honestly, I'm just not sure where to begin. I will say I'm impressed with Dr. King's accomplishments and legacy. It must have been great to have known Dr. King personally. I've read of the Earth's transition to 5D and would like to ascend with it, but I've seen very little information or guidance which has actually noticeably helped me so far in general. Enlightenment, whatever it is, is my ultimate goal. But at 68, I do wonder how realistic it is. I'd love to escape the cycle of reincarnation. Communications with my higher self or spirit guides or angels even have been virtually nil my entire life. Also, for most of my life, and now more than ever, I've felt I definitely do not belong from on this planet. If you can offer any guidance or recommendations, I would be most appreciative. Wow, certainly. Uh, very thoughtful. I'm going to start with the age thing there, Darren, because I'm in the same hmm. age range as this <laughs> this writer, and oh, yeah. I'm sincerely believing and, uh, and, 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 and more than hoping, I, I have a strong intention, that no, you're not limited by age. And, if, you know, providing you've got the health, the focus... Uh, the mental health, uh, you can achieve enlightenment. That's, uh, you know, we'll watch this space, but I, I don't think we should be limited by age. I'll start with that point. Um, mm. You know, it, the best th the best place to start, and we're all different, and it depends on all our backgrounds and to some degree our interests. And by the way, yes, it was wonderful to have known uh, Dr. King personally, as, uh, as I was privileged to do, but you don't, have to have met him physically to have a connection with this master. His presence is there. So I would start, I think, with realize your inner potential. And in it, there are over 40 practices. And I would see what you're drawn to. If I was to recommend one thing, it would be prayer, and particularly the 12 blessings, you can join in at 12blessings.org. And then I would go by your experiences. And you'll find a chain will follow through. We haven't got very much time to go in depth to this question. But when you start these practices, you'll go by your experience. And then it won't be just belief, just faith. You'll need those things, but it will be experience. So I would start with those practices in Realize Your Inner Potential. What say you, Darren? Yeah, I agree. I think um, having the experiences of but through which you can start to prove these things for yourself gives you the inspiration and the and the, the sort of the motivation from within to um, really fan the flame of that soul urge within you and go forward. It does. And find a way to serve. And one of the best ways, as I mentioned, is through prayer, because service is the jewel in the rock of attainment. The Spiritual Freedom Show with Richard Lawrence. Where politics is not the answer, materialism counts for nothing, and spirituality will set you free. I'm Richard Lawrence, and this is an Ethereus podcast. We're also syndicated on these radio networks on the first and third Saturdays of the month. Body, Mind, Spirit Radio, Transformation Talk Radio, WTRM, the Trim Radio Network, and Oneness Talk Radio. Welcome to the Spiritual Freedom Show. One of the things I do love about the show, by the way, we're joined as always by our producer, Darren Ball, 
Uh, Darren, one of the things I do love about the show is that we have guests uh, from all over the world, um, not just from the UK, not even just from the USA. Our guest today is actually from the New, the New Zealand uh, branch. He lives in Auckland. Uh, he's called Simon Thode. He and his wife Helen have both been members since 1988, and he's been on the staff of the Ethereum Society since 2003. Uh, he was a practicing lawyer for many years. Now he's practicing karmic law very actively. Um, he's, uh, I'm not saying he didn't then, but he definitely is now more intensely. Mm-hmm. Um, he's retired from that profession. He has an interest in voting, but his main focus is spirituality. And I think the other thing I would say, Darren, about our guests is all the people that we invite as guests on this show and who participate are people who live by the nine freedoms to some degree, and in many cases to a high degree. They are making it their focus. It isn't just a philosophy they're interested in. It's something they are living in their lives. And that gives it, of course, the integrity we're looking for. Don't you think so, Darren? I agree. Integrity is everything in spirituality. It's everything. So today, Simon is going to be talking about an extract from the third freedom, which is service. Break away from your own troubles by... Are concentrating upon the sufferings of others. A serve in the great a spiritual a battle and you can walk with head high and stand in any hall unafraid uh, to read what be written there. The greatest yoga is service. The greatest religion is service. The greatest act is that act done in service. It wasn't too difficult, really, to find an extract in regard to how I feel about the Ethereum Society, and the one I chose is to do with service, and this is really a mainstay of the Ethereum Society. My wife and I joined the Ethereum Society in... 1988, after we returned uh, from living in Hamilton for a while, where we spent about five years, we eventually moved uh, from there as it somehow seemed incorrect. There wasn't a a feeling of uh, spiritual direction, at least I interpret it to be that now. Um, Back then, I wasn't quite sure why I felt the way I did. Anyway, we got back to Auckland and we joined an Eastern-style group because we wanted to learn meditation. And 
in that group, there was quite an emphasis on things like kirtan or uh, spiritual dance, if you like, uh, spiritual song, vegetarianism. We didn't drink alcohol. Uh, I had my own Sanskrit-style name and my own mantra. So there was, and there was quite a feeling of community there, a feel-good factor, and there was lots of communal time spent together. This was, this was, you know, very pleasant. But then one day everything changed when I heard uh, the Reverend Margaret Kilby, who was then organizer of the New Zealand branch of the Ethereum Society on University Radio. What piqued my interest was the uh, discussion of the true history of mankind, that is, tracing that through Maldeg, Lemuria and Atlantis. It's quite interesting that my in-laws found the uh, Ethereum Society around the same time as we did. In fact, my mother-in-law said to me, Oh, Simon, we found something very uh, interesting that you might be interested in. So they were, of course, unaware that we were interested in it at the same time as well. So that's very interesting. Apart from the self-evident truth of the teachings, my main reason for joining the uh, Aetherius Society was that I, uh, a seemingly small and helpless individual, could do something for the whole world by way of the spiritual service that the Aetherius Society uh, offered. And after experiencing that type of service with the Twelve Blessings, uh, it, it didn't seem possible to return to the what we had before, which seemed rather self-indulgent and self-serving. The Society also brought together for me the urge to be of service and the quest for a spiritual path. Uh, I'd been trying to express myself in service um, for a number of years, including uh, participating in lifeline counselling. And, and later, when even I joined the society, I trained in face-to-face counselling and served as a lawyer at the Mangri Community Law Centre. So there was um, this urge um, in the society uh, filled that with a higher form of service, that's serving in the great spiritual battle and using spiritual energy to help the world. So... And as the extract says, uh, by helping the world, you uh, do break away from your own troubles. So I'm truly thrilled that uh, service can be performed in such a a global way, if you like. And it's a great discovery for me in my life. And being able to combine the urge to serve and spiritual aspiration at the same time is pretty wonderful. I don't know where else you could do this. So... There we are. That was uh, a fantastic testimony, I'd call that, Darren, from Simon Thurmond, from the heart, Mm -hmm. and someone who's living it and doing it and has made the changes, as has his wife, Helen, and as he said, as of many of some of his in-laws, too. Um, It's a a very interesting thing. You know, you heard this one interview with Margaret. I do. I did know Margaret. In fact, uh, I was privileged to to go over to New Zealand. I was sent there by Dr. King and... uh, she was the person who, who really came in and started to run the society then. And another person who was uh, who's still there now, Fritz Frank McManus, our bishop there, and he came in on either that trip or my next trip many, many years ago. But I do agree with this. I think this statement, break away from your own troubles by concentrating upon the sufferings of others, the sufferings of others, it's an aspect of law. Everything that Mars Sector 6 is an aspect of law. It has to be. It's also a self-help guide. 
actually. I'm going to say that. I hope, I hope this intelligence doesn't mind me calling it that. It's a very, very helpful tip. I mean, it's more than a tip, but it is a, as well as everything else, it is a tip. It's something you can use, uh, particularly if you feel down, if, if, if you feel overwhelmed by your problems and your troubles, just take a look at the problems of others, which are far worse all over the world. And yours don't then just, they have to be dealt with still, but you break away from them. And that actually helps you to deal with them when you have to deal with them too. So I think it's a very useful, extremely valuable statement, this. Break away from your own troubles by concentrating upon the sufferings of others. Darren? Yeah, I think it's interesting that um, just, you know, when you're, when you're someone who is suffering, it's almost almost feels like the last thing you would do is then at that moment try to focus on the suffering of others. Yeah. But yeah, here he's telling us it's like that's actually the key. That's actually the secret of it. Yeah. Um, so a great teaching in that respect, Indeed. of course. Indeed. Yeah. So do you have a comment, question, I know you do, for us this week? Definitely do. Short one, but I think a powerful one that will resonate with a lot of people. Uh, just before I do that, uh, of course, if you're tuning in for the first time, you can find out more about the Nine Freedoms, Master Sector 6, and Dr. George King by visiting our website, ethereus.org. That's A-E-T-H-E-R-I-U-S.org. If you've got a question like this or any other, even an experience that you'd like to share, do write to us at spiritualfreedom at richardlawrence.co.uk. The question goes as follows. So if karma is a real thing, why do people who do good on this earth still seem to suffer or people that do bad just seem to get by just fine? <laughs> yes, uh, good question, because you do get some very superficial comments. I, mean, I remember a football manager once uh, making mm -hmm. a very superficial, I won't even repeat it actually, about car, about people and how they are and it must be a result of their past life. Uh, this question is talking only about within one life. And you have to couple karma with the reincarnation. Um, it's a strange thing uh, that sometimes when you take to doing good, when you turn your life around in a good way, you actually sometimes meet some problems because your, your karma can then start to, you, you're ready to deal with it. So it's, it's not like you look around, this is the superficial approach, oh, that person's having a suffering, so they must be bad, and this person's right. having a good life, they must be good. No, as the questioner rightly says, there's people who've led a totally selfish life, who on the face of it are, have a, had a very happy, fulfilling time. Probably happy and fulfilling because they're superficial and selfish, or it wouldn't be happy and superficial. But nevertheless, mm. they feel good. <laughs> I mean, you know... Um, you know, we, we wouldn't be very happy chewing grass in a field all day, but uh, uh, some cows might. No disrespect to cows there. You know, it's uh, it all a question of how advanced you are as to what fulfills you and what satisfies you. But right. the main point there, though, don't judge it by one life. And in fact, Dr. King once said, and I found I, when I was ill uh, about five, six years ago, I came across a statement that Dr. King made once, which is that sometimes uh, when you are more advanced, you, and by you he means your higher self, will choose then to take upon themselves some karma because you're ready to take it, because you can mm. cope with it at that moment. And so, no, don't go by the superficial, material, or even emotional uh, condition of a person and judge their karma from that. Uh, no, it's it's something that runs through the lives, and it's in our journey—not even just to enlightenment. It's our journey to ascension. And with ascension, as we've said before in the show, 
every I has to be dotted, every T has to be crossed. So all the lessons have to be learnt, and the sooner we learn them, the better. Yeah, I think um, it's interesting when we think about what life is really about, and ultimately, be, you know, about the lessons we need to become wise. Like one key is, is you know, when we look at these experiences of people, rather than being, rather than seeing kind of the shallow interpretation of them, it's you know, how is this a crucible for their own advancement and development in some way? Yeah, and I think it's and, a great question because a lot of people think that. And sometimes mm. they rule out karma on that basis and they're, they're completely missing the point. What do you think of this idea that some people say that, you know, karma is immediate? Um, instant. Do you have any thoughts? The John Lennon yeah, instant. instant. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, no, I, I don't think it, it can be. But on the whole, it isn't. I think it's faster now than it used to be because it's being speeded up that we've been told. Mm. But no, it's not necessarily instant. And in fact... In some ways, if you've got negative karma to come, the sooner you get it, the better, I would say. But, you, but that all depends whether you're, how ready you are to take it. Mm. But no, it doesn't always come instantly. If it does come instantly, in some ways, that's a good... And, and there are cases where people do something good and they have to, even small experiences where they give some money to someone and then they suddenly find some money in their pocket that wasn't there before. That's happened to me, actually. Do you get these wow. little things? But and I was only a child at the time. Was, uh, but no, on the whole, no. The instant karma—it sounds like a—it's a clever phrase, but it's not a very accurate one. Um, mm. Anyway, this is bringing us to the end of our show, and of course, the way to change your karma for the better—we all know it—it's service, and service is the jewel in the rock of attainment. <laughs> Spiritual Freedom Show with Richard Lawrence, where politics is not the answer, materialism counts for nothing, and spirituality will set you free. I'm Richard Lawrence, and this is an Ethereus podcast. We're also syndicated on these radio networks on the first and third Saturdays of the month. Body, Mind, Spirit Radio, Transformation Talk Radio, WTRM, the Trim Radio Network, and Oneness Talk Radio. Welcome to the Spiritual Freedom Show. You know, in these days, as a transmission once said, the pearls are cast. And we do have the privilege on the Spiritual Freedom Show of casting great wisdom um, among all those listening. And I think the people who are uh, wise enough to take these things on board are really um, proving themselves worthy of these pearls being cast. And those who aren't, well, that's their choice. But still, the teachings have to be given out. There's never been any teachings like these ones. I'm always joined on this show by Darren Ball, and uh, he is going to make another contribution, actually, today, which is really good news for us. You're all familiar with his voice. Now is an opportunity to hear about the teachings of the nine freedoms from his experience, because he's another one, as all our guests are, who lives these in his life. Don't get me wrong. We don't do it perfectly, any of us. It's to a greater or lesser extent, but we're all people on this show who are striving to live the nine freedoms in our lives. Uh, Darren's a staff member here in London. Uh, he's a minister-elect. And in addition to producing this show, he actually helped to start 12blessings.org, which uh, is sending out 
thousands of prayer hours to the world. Uh, we're, we're putting on online services at 12blessings.org several days of the week. So go there and you can see what's going on there and you can join in with it. Now, outside of his work for the society, he's active in the tech startup world. But today he's going to be talking about an extract from a lecture on the first freedom bravery, this lecture delivered by the channel for the nine freedoms, primary terrestrial mental channel, Dr. George King. What is happiness? Happiness is laughter of the mind and that only. But joy, joy is laughter of the soul and it's a lasting thing. One can be joyful and compassionate and sad at the same time. But one cannot be happy and compassionate and sad at one and the same time. It's a no figment of reality is happiness. It's just a transient thing. It all struck me, this difference between happiness and joy, and I love the way that Dr. King has characterized it here. I came across an article online recently about happiness, and apparently the ancient Greek philosopher Aristotle made a distinction between two different types of happiness, somewhat similar to what we've just heard here. Hedonia and eudaimonia. Hedonia is described as the type of happiness derived from pleasure. In other words, doing what feels good, even if it isn't always literally good, things like fulfilling desires, experiencing enjoyment, etc. But eudaimonia is something more akin to the joy that Dr. King describes, something we experience when we feel like our life has meaning, value, and purpose. It's associated with things like fulfilling your responsibilities, investing in long-term goals, living up to personal ideals, and most importantly, a concern for and indeed doing something to help other people in need. So in short, on the one hand, pleasure, and on the other hand, meaning. Now, in my experience, I have never felt more fulfilled than in my spiritual work for others. Let me explain. In the Nine Freedoms, we learn that we are all aspects of God, and that God's purpose for the whole of creation is to evolve back to the divine source from which it came in the beginning, conscious of all experience. But materialism dominates the way that we are currently conditioned by the world around us, a lot of advertising being a classic example. And little by little, this largely negative influence makes us believe that fulfillment lies in what is outside of us, not what is inside. We're programmed to strive for materialistic things such as greater wealth, worldly status, and power. Things that indeed bring us temporary happiness but will never bring us joy in and of themselves, especially if they're used for selfish ends. Wealth, worldly status, and power can be good if they're used to help others, but again, as an end in and of themselves, they're not at all what life is really about. As a young graduate, I didn't have any of these things, but even striving for them, even the desire for them, left me feeling empty. Was this all that life amounts to? Fleeting moments of happiness, punctuating the subtle agony of knowing you're not fulfilling your mission in life, your spiritual destiny, or even worse, a worldly life believing in the materialistic idol? Some people know that I grew up in Singapore, and there used to be this joke in Singapore about the five C's, basically the five things that were considered to be the most important priorities in life. Cash, car, credit card, condominium, and country club membership. <laughs> and I actually had a look while I was writing this, and apparently there's now a, a new set of five C's, uh, but they're just more of the same, really. Or as they say elsewhere in Southeast Asia, same, same, but different. I think Alexander Solzhenitsyn described it best, actually, when he said that men have forgotten God. So let's affirm instead what life is really about. Life is about reaching upwards to spiritual truth, to our highest aspirations. It's about turning inwards to the God spark, to our essence. 
But most importantly of all, life is about reaching out in selfless service to others, helping people in need, and better yet, at least as far as my own life goes, making every effort I can to change the world. And as it turns out, selfless service is the key to raising the mystic power of Kundalini in its entirety, a mystic power in all of us lying virtually dormant in the base of our spine. And according to Dr. King, raising this power is the only reason we are here. It's the meaning of life, as it were. What could be more meaningful than the meaning of life? What could give us greater fulfillment than fulfilling the one and only reason we are really here? The great humanitarian Albert Schweitzer famously said, I don't know what your destiny will be, but one thing I know. The only ones among you who will be really happy are those who will have sought and found how to serve. Now, I think we can all agree the happiness he's talking about there is eudaimonia, joy. Think about it. Think about it for a moment. Is there any greater joy than playing your part to make the world a better place? Or any greater sense of purpose than realizing your spiritual destiny? Is there any higher personal ideal than helping to relieve the suffering of others and ultimately helping them to help themselves attain their own enlightenment? One last thought I'll share because Dr. King alludes to it at the end of that extract. Strangely, I found that joy and happiness can often be at odds with each other, at least some of the time, which makes the distinction between them even more stark and the desire for joy within myself even greater. Service is work, after all. I don't think we can shy away from that fact and we shouldn't try to hide it either. It takes effort and energy, time too, of course. Time and energy that perhaps I would have spent in some other more selfish way previously. Service might even be difficult or trying in some way. Many people put a life of ease aside, even risk their lives in the name of service. Think of the person who leaves all the comforts of home for a developing country to start an orphanage, taking in street kids in a slum somewhere. Or someone who runs into burning buildings to rescue people who are trapped. Or someone who spends hours upon hours sending out spiritual energy through prayer for the benefit of world peace and great enlightenment. Ah, but the feeling of joy, of a life worth living, of a destiny fulfilled, of a mission served, there is simply no happiness that compares to the laughter of the soul. And that's what I mean when I say that I have never felt more fulfilled than in my spiritual work for others. What a fantastic uh, extract you selected there, Darren. Really, really good. And have you got it in front of you? Actually, I do. I do. Um, so I do. in there, he, he, there's one bit where he talked about happiness and joy. And I think he said in joy, you can have compassion, sadness and joy. Have I That's, got that right? He says one can be joyful and compassionate and sad at the same time. Yeah, But you can't be happy and compassionate but, and sad at the same that's time. Right. Yeah. It's a very brilliant point. Uh, and it just goes to show what a great master Dr. King was and how he really understood life. And he was born, of course, with that mm. knowledge being the avatar that he was. Uh, mm. It's a very great teaching and it's easily provable. You've only got to look at some people who've had everything and pursued everything that uh, should make them happy and they're not. They're miserable. Not everyone. Some people are so su superficial and lacking in spiritual advancement that they think they are fulfilled by happiness and yeah. not joy. Uh, they're, they're, they are younger souls. They'll come a stage where they'll need to move on from that. Uh, I don't want to sound patronizing there, but that's basic spiritual teaching. But 
so often people have the money, the wealth, the everything that, and, and still they're not fulfilled, still they're miserable, still a little crease in their bed linen makes them unhappy. A little bit of dust on a table makes them unhappy. Uh, this is not this is not real fulfillment at all. So what a brilliant one and what a great choice. Thanks very much for that, Darren. Now, Yeah, real gem in his teachings there. Absolutely, absolutely. Uh, let's uh, come to our question for today. Yeah, so if you're tuning in for the first time, you can find out more about The Nine Freedoms, Mars 66, and Dr. George King by visiting our website, that's ethereus.org, with A-E-T-H-E-R-I-U-S.org. And if you have a question or a comment, an experience even that you'd like to share and for us to share on the show, do get in touch with us at spiritualfreedom at richardlawrence.co.uk. Um, I've got an interesting question here, Richard, um, I think from someone who's who's obviously read a little bit about our, our teachings in general. Um, and they say this, we often hear about great spiritual masters, quote unquote, taking karma upon themselves for the sake of humanity. I can imagine what it means for a human to suffer, but what does it actually mean for a master to suffer? Very good question and a very deep question, which really needs quite a bit of time to answer it. But I'll just sketch out some of the points. First of all, you've got to analyze, is this the master we're talking about, an earth master, an unascended earth master? Or is it a, mm. an avatar um, or, or an ascended master? It's very different karma in, in those two cases. If you're taking an unascended earth master, if they're capable of it, yes, they could take karma on themselves, which is not theirs, uh, which is for the sake of others, for a particular purpose, either to help a student perhaps of theirs or students, or even to help mm. the world as a whole. Because that person hasn't yet ascended, though, this must be part of their karmic progress. So it will help them in the long run in their evolution on Earth. An ascended master doesn't need to be here. They've agreed to be here in the so-called Great White Brotherhood, certainly as it used to be known. Um, an avatar such as Dr. King, such as Sri Krishna, such as Sri Ramakrishna, who actually took on throat cancer, took it on for the benefit of, of the world and his students. Um, and Dr. King definitely took on karma and told me so with some ill health he had in the end of his life. And we know that Jesus took on terrible karma through, and so on. I think probably my guess is that every avatar has taken on karma, but they don't benefit from it. They've got nothing on this earth to gain at all by taking on that karma. So it's an even more selfless act. But you've got to be a master to be capable of doing that, taking on karma for others. A spiritual worker, by the way, who is not a master, can help to shoulder the load, as it were, of world karma. And people who work, let's just say, to send out spiritual energy for peace uh, in Ukraine or peace in the Middle East, um, they're not taking on karma, but they are manipulating, as well as their own karma, they're manipulating world karma by doing that. And they can take in a way, introduce a lot of stress, worry, and hard work into their life. In certain cases, it might even affect their health. I'm not recommending that, but they, it could do through the hard work they do and so on. Um, but it's it, that's slightly different. We're talking here, I think the question is talking about a master who's able to really take mm. on through a manipulation, a karmic condition, such as in the case of Ramakrishna throat cancer, which wasn't his to have for a specific purpose. So that's the distinction I would make, the avatar or ascended master and the real 
earth master who's still progressing on the journey to enlightenment. And well, they are already enlightened, but they're progressing towards ascension. Thanks, guys. I think it's good for, for us all to be conscious that we're, you know, we're here by the grace in many cases of the the suffering that many of these great beings take upon themselves to make it possible for us to continue through experience in this way. It's an act of supreme service to do that uh, and capability, mm. but a real sacrificial mm. act of service. And service, of course, as we know on this show, is the jewel in the rock of attainment. The Spiritual Freedom Show with Richard Lawrence, where politics is not the answer, materialism counts for nothing, and spirituality will set you free. I'm Richard Lawrence, and this is an Ethereus podcast. We're also syndicated on these radio networks on the first and third Saturdays of the month. Body, Mind, Spirit Radio, Transformation Talk Radio, WTRM, the Trim Radio Network, and Oneness Talk Radio. Welcome to the Spiritual Freedom Show. And please remember, by the way, that we have many shows that you can go to. We have a, a reservoir of shows you can and podcasts you can look up uh, if you haven't done so already. Uh, and there are uh, dozens of them there with different topics uh, that we've put out on the Spiritual Freedom Show. Now, we're at the moment going through a series of guest contributions, and it's a real pleasure to be doing so. And we are going all over the world with these different guests, all of whom live or try to aspire to live and to some degree do live the nine freedoms in their lives. So these aren't just theorists. These are practitioners. These are nine freedoms practitioners. And uh, one of our regular guests has been and will, I'm sure, continue to be Mark Bennett. We're always happy to welcome Mark back to the show for his deep no-nonsense commentary. I've known him for over 25 years. He's the co-author of two books with me, God's Guides and Guardian Angels and Prayer Energy. He's an international director of the Ethereum Society. And today he's going to be talking about an extract from the Third Freedom Service. There are many ways, indeed, to serve. By your service, you can help to heal those who are sick, and you should. By your service, you can help to give encouragement and strength to those who are depressed and weak, and you should do this. By your service, you can throw a dazzling beam of scintillating white, vibrant energy into the darkness of a suffering world and raise it 
As a teenager, when I first started seriously looking outside the narrow sphere of mainstream religion in my search for spiritual truth, one challenge I had was telling a true path from a false path. Loads of people claiming to be wise gurus, space contactees, spiritual teachers, enlightened masters and so on, all seem to be saying much the same thing, that we need more peace and love in our world. This is obviously good, but it also left me with a problem. For example, if one of these gurus talked about peace and love and said that reincarnation was real, and another guru talked about peace and love and said that reincarnation was not real, how could I identify which guru, if either of them, was right? The Ethereum Society's teachings, based on the revelations of space contactee Dr. George King, are a lot to take in. And at first, all I could really make of it all was that it was about aliens and peace and love. But there was another contactee, or at least someone who claimed to be a contactee, who was also talking about aliens and peace and love. Well, you might say surely there could be more than one contactee. There could even be dozens. That's true. But what if the two contactees give radically different teachings, which supposedly come from extraterrestrials, about our origins, our place in the universe, the nature of God, life after death, and so on. When the stories are so different, you have to come to the conclusion that at least one of them is lying or deluded. But how can you tell which? This is the crossroads I was at. I felt frustrated, like I'd hit a roadblock. Then suddenly it clicked. Anyone can talk about peace and love. It's easy to talk about it. But what does it really mean? And how can it be achieved? That's the real question. That's what divides the real enlightened teacher and the fake. Suddenly, it was as if I could see everything clearly. The contacts of Dr. George King not only talked about love and peace, but said what they meant and how to achieve them in a very definite, precise, and logical way. And here in this extract, we see a small part of that. Throw a dazzling beam of scintillating white vibrant energy into the darkness of a suffering world and raise it, which Dr. King explains and teaches us how to do. An actual way of really achieving peace within, but also, more importantly, how to change global consciousness and help to bring about peace throughout the world. It was this practical, active approach that went a million miles beyond vague theorizing that really struck me as the hallmark of truth and the hallmark of a path that I wanted to follow to make a real difference in the world. If a path is not active, if it doesn't really bring about real change in the world, then you find yourself thinking, well, maybe that's a nice little message there, but so what? But here, in Dr. King's teachings, and through his contacts with extraterrestrials, we have an opportunity to raise global consciousness. And it is this change, and only this change, which is the key to solving our problems on this planet. If consciousness changes, then thinking changes. And if thinking changes, then the way we act changes. This is real freedom.
This is the unlocking of the divine potential within us. It's not adopting the thought pattern of anyone else. It's about manifesting the thoughts and actions that come from our true, free, undeluded, wise, real selves. Well, Darren Ball's our producer, and he's here with me. And Darren, I do like listening to Mark. I do too. I think this, yeah. it's very deep. And he, he comes up with these sort of like, in this case, especially this kind of like fantastic yardstick that we can apply. He does. You know, and easily. you and I have had a bit of a look and we might be uh, on another show talking about this sometime. But we, we've had a look at some of the other claimants that are out there. And, you know, we always, the Ethereum side is not a one and only way. We've never said we are. We uh, respect many other spiritual traditions and certain other contactees. But I have to say, having had a look at them, it's extremely thick, gruel, compared to what you're offered in the Ethereum Society. And of course, I would say that. I've been the secretary for over 40 years in the European headquarters. Um, <laughs> but then I wouldn't be the secretary if I found something any better. And we've come across a lot. We've come across everything, some things which are ridiculous and untrue. Quite a few of that, actually, I'm sorry to say. But also some things which are probably true. In fact, some I would definitely believe. But still pale compared to the tapestry of colour uh, you get mm. in the Ethereum uh, Society teachings. And, and I'm, I'm not going to pretend that isn't the case because it really is the case. Yeah, and I think you, I think he makes a good point about how it's so specific and practical what we're uh, what we're told to do, basically, um, yeah. which is a, a, as clear as a manual. Uh, you know, in the nine freedoms being a great example uh, in terms of what we need to do to reach enlightenment and beyond. And that that level of specificity and and precision is just you just can't find it elsewhere. You just don't. You just don't. Yeah. And, and, and let's face it, we we would be doing the spiritual freedom show on another teaching if we thought there was one that's better, but we just don't. There is nothing as great as the nine freedoms. So, Darren, uh, what question or comment do we have from our wonderful listeners today? Yeah, we've got one here actually um, from a series of posts that we've been doing on, on social media. I thought I'd share, that, sure. with us, share yeah. that with our listeners today. Uh, before I do that, if you're tuning in for the first time, you can find out more about the nine freedoms, Mars Sector 6 and Dr. George King by visiting our website, ethereus.org. That's A-E-T-H-E-R-I-U-S.org. Uh, if you have a question, if you have a comment, if you have an experience that you'd like to share, we would love to hear from you. So do write to us at Spiritual Freedom at Richard Lawrence Dakota UK. So as I said, we've been posting recently on social media, actually about satellite number three, and uh, which is an extraterrestrial spacecraft that comes into orbit four times a year. Maybe we can talk a little bit more about that. Um, but we get lots of responses on this, of course, including lots of positive messages. But there's always a fair few that say, well, you know, basically, who says and, and where is it? Um, which is a fair comment. I thought you might share a little bit about what you might say to people looking for evidence about satellite number three. Right, certainly. And it's in orbit right now, actually. Um, it's who says, uh, Cosmic Masters say, through Dr. George King. Specifically, the dates were given by Mars Sector 6, the same source who gave, which gave the nine freedoms. Uh, so it was, was it who says and why should we believe it? Was that the question, Darren? Exactly, yeah, yeah that's well, right. Well, um, tr if you live the nine freedoms and if you discover and find that the nine freedoms are, are the greatest uh, of, of teaching you've ever come across or certainly among them and they really work and they really throw light and even leave in the shade some of the great yogic teachings of old and that's saying a lot, if you come to that conclusion, then you must recognize the source which is Mars Sector 6 through Dr. George King, and then you will accept 
the other things delivered by Mars Sector 6 through Dr. George King, including satellite number three. That's one route to it. But mm. an, another even more practical route, of course, is to cooperate with these orbits and particularly the first and last hours. And we, we live stream uh, those first and last hours services if you're not in an area where you can attend. And I would say that most of the experienced staff and members of the society who've been doing this for some years can feel the presence of, uh, of satellite number three, especially in that first hour service. When it comes into orbit, it's a recognizable difference. Uh, and how do you feel it? You feel it through the transmission of energy being multiplied by a factor we're told is 3,000 times. That's the karmic difference. It doesn't mean that 3,000 times as much energy may be going through you. There's a potential for that, but certainly far more will be going through you and the quality will be different and you can feel that and you can recognise it. So those are two of the ways you can prove to yourself the existence of satellite number three. One, through the authenticity in general, of the channeling of primary terrestrial mental channel, Dr. George King. And on that basis, you could accept the satellite number three transmissions. Number two, through practical experience of cooperating with the orbits of this craft. If you're not really quite sure, uh, you're in that category where you, you think it's an interesting idea, but you don't know, it doesn't really matter. Uh, it's, it's not going to do any harm. Tune in. But I would say this, that if you do tune in with an open mind over a period of time, there will come a time when you'll get that answer. Yeah, I think that's an interesting final point you made there, which is that even if you don't believe in it, you know, surely this message of service and doing more to help others is yeah. is is one that we can all agree with. And, you know, if, if we're making the claim that anything you do would be, you know, the, the impact of that will be multiplied, you know, many thousands of times, then why not? I mm. mean, you're going to, if you know, if you believe in doing good anyway. Yeah. Um, I think there's there's one other point too, which is that if we accept the claim that these are beings who are millions of years more advanced than us, and, and the claims about the technology that they must ha have as a result of that that advancement, you know, being able to make this craft invisible, um, and you know, other ways that the oh, other yes, things that we're claiming it? about that's what we were asked. Yes, we? yeah, yeah, yeah. It, you know, it, I think it kind of covers off that point. Yeah. I mean, it, you know, you could accept that logically that that might be. The case. And they don't wish to disclose that. There are many, many so-called UFOs or UAPs that are sighted. This one doesn't choose to be sighted. It's 1,550 miles from the surface of Earth. And that's all we actually need to know about it. And that brings us to the end of this show. And, of course, one of the finest ways to, to do this, uh, what I'm going to close with, is to tune into satellite number three, and then you'll be discovering that service is the jewel in the rock of attainment.